Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have on as our guest, Dr. Nancy Wu. Dr. Wu is a board-certified child adolescent and adult psychiatrist with over 20 years of clinical experience treating a wide variety of psychiatric illnesses. She specializes in child adolescent development struggles, ADD, and mood anxiety and psychotic disorders. Today, we talk about adult ADD and the diagnostic criteria as well as the treatment for ADD. Welcome, Dr. Wu. Today, I'm here with Dr. Nancy Wu, who is a member of Cal Psychiatry, one of the psychiatrists in our group. Welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on because I would like to talk about adult ADD, and I know it's something that you have our expertise in in terms of treating ADD throughout the lifespan. That's wonderful. I think the best way to start is just what is ADD? So when we think about ADD, it stands for Attention Deficit disorder, and we're not going to include the hyperactivity part today. So we're really looking at difficulties with inattention and also just behaviors that may seem impulsive for an adult that age. Okay. And so in terms of thinking about ADD diagnosis, if you're an adult and you're wondering if you have ADD, do you often have those symptoms during childhood or would they just appear in adulthood? Yeah. So usually there's often a history of, you know, having difficulties staying on task. When you're in school, you you may find yourself spacing out, you're doodling, you may kind of have gone into trouble talking a lot in class or being the class clown. So there's often a history of having difficulties in childhood, middle school, high school. There are also people who do well in school, however, had to really study for a very long time, you know, staying up till 2 a.m., 3 a.m. just to finish because they find themselves, you know, rereading the assignments and just not being able to absorb the materials. Got it. And in terms of thinking about diagnosis, we've heard that ADD is often misdiagnosed or it's sometimes missed. And so what are things that you're considering when you're making the diagnosis of ADD, thinking about other diagnoses when you're trying to really kind of pinpoint if someone truly does suffer from ADD? Yes. So oftentimes, you know, if an adult comes to me and say, you know, I've been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, I often ask myself whether or not there might be underlying ADD or a comorbid ADHD type of diagnosis. Because with ADD, the person, you know, can be talking sometimes when they're very excited, talk really fast. They can get really impulsive, you know, designing trips that they can't afford, and they tend to not sleep or not need to sleep a lot. And so it's important to kind of distinguish between those two diagnoses. And also, you know, when a adult present, they often also have comorbid anxiety and depression because it is really frustrating to not be able to get the things you want done and you feel like there's something wrong with you. And the fact that you can't get anything done makes you feel anxious and makes you feel bad about yourself. So this idea that ADD can then lead to some anxiety symptoms because of the distress that the ADD causes or the dysfunction that the ADD 
causes? Yeah, so it can be kind of one leading to another, but at the same time, there are also children who really have both anxiety disorder and ADD right from the beginning, and each one worsens the other. So we'll be taking a history of what the child was like in regards to their anxiety levels and how they interact with their family and and school. Got it. Okay. And in terms of thinking about presentation, so when someone comes to you wondering about ADD, or maybe they're not wondering about ADD, there's just something about their functioning that there's an issue in terms of just feeling that they could be functioning different, or they'd like to just move through the world a little bit differently. What are some typical presentations that you might see? So, I mean, oftentimes, you know, an adult would come in and they would say, I just feel like there's something wrong with me or that I don't seem to get anything done or I see my friends, you know, doing well and being successful and I just seem to not be able to be as successful as they are. So there's definitely this sense of like, I have difficulty finishing things. I'm late for appointments. I can't get anything done. So a lot of this kind of sense of like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do what other people can do? Mm. Okay. And I'm wondering, do you ever, in terms of your diagnosis, how do you, do you think about psych testing for these individuals? Do you just go on history? How do you think about that? So when an adult present with these kind of difficulties, I mean, we first start with kind of what's going on now that cause them to come to a psychiatrist. And then it's really taking a very detailed history about what their foundation was like in childhood and in middle school and in high school. And so when possible, we definitely like to take a look at their great reports, comments from teachers saying that they're often uh, not on task, needs to be reminded, and also when possible, even talking with parents. And we also kind of ask them to fill out a a self-report and see how they would rate their own inattention and impulsive behaviors. Got it. And that kind of leads me into this question about childhood history, right? So people with adult ADD in terms of what it would look like in terms of their childhood history. We we went over that a little bit, but I wonder if there's anything else you wanted to add. Yeah. So, I mean, certainly there's kind of gender differences and hyperactivity gets better over time. So for women, especially, they may not have been, you know, nobody may have thought that they have inattention issues. However, if you ask them more closely, kind of like, you know, what happens when you're listening to a lecture? What happens when you're trying to read? They will often tell you that I just can't keep my attention on it. Or that they'll say, you know, it's really boring. I'm trying, but it's really boring. And I find myself spacing out and I come back, you know, to the lecture and I don't really know what happened because I just was not listening for those few minutes. And so specifically with, you know, subjects like maybe math and science, where you need to have very good foundations, where multiplication, then division, then, you know, fractions, If you're missing pieces of all of that, then it becomes quite difficult to continue to do well in these type of classes. And you bring up a good point in terms of what if it's a subject that 
someone is just not that interested in. Because I, in my practice, I see people who are in these jobs and they may not love their job, right? And they may not be so driven to want to be able to perform at work, but then they wonder, do I have ADD? Because it's, I have a hard time. I'm distracted. I have a hard time staying on task. And so this idea of teasing out kind of interest versus just brain functioning in terms of being able to attend to things and That's a very, very good question. And so people often misunderstand ADD as it would be a person who have difficulties all the time with paying attention. That's actually not the case. For the things that they're really interested in, you know, whether it's a book that they're reading or a movie or video games, they have no problem focusing for an hour, two hours, etc. The question is whether or not when they're looking at something that is either repetitive, like, you know, 10 problems with the same kind of math concept, or they have to do a task that requires, you know, let's say it's 25 pages, it requires that they sustain their attention. That's when you will see adults with ADD, you know, they may start one or two pages, then they kind of just can't continue and sustain that. And so then they'll procrastinate and then they feel bad about procrastinating. And, you know, towards the end, when the deadline is coming close, then they actually can sometimes get themselves together in order to rush it through or get it done. So so procrastination is often something we see with ADD Hmm. adults. Okay. Okay. And then in terms of thinking about misconceptions or misunderstandings of ADD, we went over that a little bit as well. But I wonder if we could touch on that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. So oftentimes, you know, I think people think that, well, I have to be the kind of person that didn't do well in school at all. But in actuality, we find clients who perhaps did well in college or even maybe went to law school. When things are very structured, you know, you have tons of work to do. There's always deadlines. They actually can get themselves, you know, on together to do the work. However, when they are unstructured, you know, you can do your work anytime. You can figure out your own deadlines. Then they start to have difficulties because Mm -hmm. they cannot organize themselves to do the tasks that are needed to be done. And that makes sense because some people think, okay, did my ADD just appear later on in life? It's just a matter of the environment they were in, maybe in terms of how they're issue with being able to attend to things. Maybe it just wasn't so obvious because the environment was different. Correct. So, so you know, you may have children who went to a very small Catholic school or private school and they'll do quite well because the class size is so small and there's a lot of, let's say, individual attention. But if they go to a school where there's like 30 kids and, you know, some kids are talking, some kids are passing notes and some kids are making noises and there's people passing in the hallway, then they can get quite distracted because the noises and all of that can distract them. So, even the school environment can affect how a child looks when they're young. Mm-hmm. And there's been a little bit of research that I've read a little bit recently about executive functioning and ADD, especially in adults. I'm just curious about your thoughts about deficits and executive functioning with ADD. Yeah. So when, when we think about executive functioning, think about the ability to plan things, organize things, 
execute what you want to do and to be able to do it in a kind of, you know, more or less an orderly fashion. And so with ADD kids and adults, what happens is, is that everything seems to be of equal importance. You know, I had a client who uh, was a waitress and she didn't really know, like, do I get the order from one table first or do I, you know, take away the dishes or should I serve the dessert? Everything seemed like it's of equal kind of importance. And so she would get really flustered with that. So similarly, we know with adults, if they're like, I don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm starting the dishes and I start cleaning the closet and I start doing the laundry. And by the end of the day, the dishes are not quite done. The laundry is not quite done. Everything's kind of half done. That often is the clue that they have difficulty carrying something through till the end. They start and stop, mm-hmm. start and stop. Mm-hmm. Got it. And I think it looks different in, in adults versus children in terms yes. of the f- executive functioning deficits, basically. And I guess maybe it's more obvious in adults in, in some cases because they have less, I would, I would think of as in childhood, maybe parents kind of picking up some of that in terms of if, if someone has difficulty with executive functioning. Yeah, sure. Because your parents can remind you, you know, mm-hmm. you have this appointment now, you know, you need to get your homework done. Did you turn in your homework? So with adults, you know, you don't have anybody else reminding you to get things done. And also with children, I think it's an important point is that it's really inhibition and restraint that are lacking in ADD kids or ADHD kids is that you tell them, you know, don't do this. Don't skateboard on the road because at the end of this road, there's a huge amount of traffic. And then five minutes later, they're doing exactly what you told them not to do. So what happens with kids is that they think it's fun. And that particular, just thinking that something is fun is enough to drive the behavior without thinking about the consequences and what Mm -hmm. they were told by their parents. And so you see that kind of a thought and then they have the action follows right after. And so for adults, it might be, they just say things that, you know, is kind of inappropriate or is a bit impulsive. And they realize later that, you know, I shouldn't have Mm -hmm. done that. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this has been really enlightening for me as an adult psychiatrist to think about kind of in terms of treating childhood and adult ADD and kind of how it then transit or evolves over time into into what it looks like with adult ADD. I wonder if we could touch a little bit on treatment before we say goodbye in terms of what what are the treatments that are effective for ADD? Yeah. So, I mean, I would like to just, you know, first start with kind of what we would wish or want for the children with ADD or ADHD is that, you know, it's really a combination of working with the teachers in the school, working with the parents to get structure and in the house and finding ways to decrease conflict between the parents and the child because parents can get really, really frustrated thinking that the children's being disrespectful when they're just being themselves. And then also just kind of academic support. Now, when you come you know, as the children grow up to be adults, then of course, you don't have that kind of school support or academic support. Then I think it's important to figure out ways to actually implement structure on your own or with others so that your day doesn't feel like you can just do whatever. Because when the day is very unstructured, then 
ADD adults tend to have difficulties because they they don't know what they should get done first and what's second and what's third. And then so they end up doing, they're on the phone, they're on the computer, they're surf, you know, web surfing. And then in the end, what's important and what needs to be done, they end up not doing. So with medications, I mean, really, I mean, we have more than 50 years of clinical research, clinical trials showing that medications are effective for treating both ADHD in children and adults. And so that really is kind of the first recommendation is to try stimulants of some kind or non-stimulants depending on the person's, you know, preference. But we we have more than enough evidence to show that it can increase the attention span and help the person be able to do the tasks that they have in front of them. So I've seen many cases where medications are incredibly helpful for people, but in other cases, they're not always as effective as we would have hoped. And I wonder sometimes that what those things are that maybe stand in the way of maybe having medication not be quite as effective. Yeah, so that's that's also a very good question. So it's important when we assess for ADD in adults is that we also just assess for what I would consider helpful habits or unhelpful habits in regards to how things are done. So for example, if you're trying to do your work and it's actually you know very difficult task and you have your phone and you have your iPad and you have your TV, you know everything is on. It is hard to be disciplined, to stay with the task. If you can easily, you know, just check your, you know, social media or watch a little bit of TV or web surfing. So we want to make sure that the adult is actually able to be at a workspace where they can focus and not have multiple things available for them to be distracted with. So that's something that's very important. You actually bring up a really good point because some of my patients that I worked with have decided to work with an ADD coach and it's kind of a behavioral coach to help implement different behavioral strategies to enhance the effect of medication because medication can only go so far. And I'm actually curious, have you worked with ADD coaches or behavioral coaches? Um, I have not, but I think that it would be a really nice extra support for adults struggling with ADD. Yeah. Yeah. Tim Drum's thinking about kind of the behavior and it's, you just can't sit and rely on the medication to take effect. There has to be behavioral shifts that happen. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And I just want to add, because you were asking about when would neuropsych or neuropsychological testing be warranted, I would say that when you are concerned that the person may have additional um, kind of uh, learning difficulties, whether it's processing verbal information or processing visual information or, you know, dyslexia, I mean, Whenever you start to think that there's more than just attention, then it's helpful to get neuropsychological testing to see what else may be causing the difficulties. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on today. I really appreciate your time and sharing your expertise about this topic. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye? I mean, I will just say that, so thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. I want to say that it is really possible for adults struggling with ADD to get the support that they need in order to be able to function well. So I would encourage people to be open-minded to consider getting support and help. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'll make sure on the episode description, I'll have maybe some resources for the listener. If they're interested in learning a little bit more about ADD and ADD treatment, they can have some resources to look at. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks so much. Okay. Bye. Thank you, Josephine. This has been Mind Stories with remote appointments in California and offices in downtown LA, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, Echo Park, and Santa Barbara. Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.